Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Podcast equivalent of four IPAs and a shot of espresso for breakfast. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of Maze and Brew. Andy, you lover of both animals and women, but not in the same way or at the same time. How are you? I am fantastic, man. I'm very optimistic about the Michigan basketball team, surprisingly, when most of the fan base seems kind of down. I don't know if it's tournament time that's got me going, but brother, I'm feeling good. Brother, since we last spoke, we hung a banner. There's nothing not to feel good about. I know we didn't end the season on a high note, but at that point, what was there really to play for? Um, we'll get to that later when we get to that game. Might have some different opinions on that, but let's start with the winning of Michigan's uh, Big Ten championship, regular season Big Ten championship that happened against Michigan State, against a rival, 69-50. to Man, it felt so good. This was a big game coming into because Michigan had just had the big letdown, biggest letdown of the season against Illinois without their best player just getting smoked off the court. Coming into this game, don't want to lose to Tom Izzo ever. Don't lose to Michigan State ever. And you just ran out of the building. Like, it wasn't close. Michigan played a bad first half and was still up 11. And then you smoked them and won by 19. Finished with 69. Nice. Nice. And you hang a banner. Jawan Howard talked about his banners got taken down. And now we're hanging another one that he's affiliated with. God, it feels good. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm glad you brought up the Jawan Howard part of this because, I mean, he, if anybody deserves to have a banner hanging up there and the fact that he's able to come back and get redemption like that. And if you haven't watched the Fab Five documentary, you're wasting your time and ours. So let's get on that immediately this weekend. Um, but you would, you'll fall in love with him if you haven't already watching him and watching him celebrate under the confetti with his guys like that after, after like you said, blowing him out. I mean... Uh, Dickinson and Wagner were leading the way in that one, but I mean, everybody contributed. You had three guys with nine points and livers, Brooks and Smith. So all around team effort to get it done. And yeah, just, just watching that team after that game, celebrate with the confetti coming down. Bummer. There was no fans in the stands. Cause that would have been an all timer. It really does hurt because it feels like fans in the stands are coming very, very soon. At the rate this country is progressing, regarding Texas, maybe by the time this podcast comes out, brother. I mean, they'd be there now. I mean, we'd be storming the court. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I'm ready, but I'm also not vaccinated yet. Exactly. I I I would be there storming the court if we could. Like you you and I have talked about this. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun, and it's still a great moment. Um, How do you view this? How do you rank? regular season championship versus big 10 tournament championship. Cause it's a little weird with this versus football where you have both of these and you got two people that are going to be able to claim it. And we'll talk about that other team. That's already trying to claim the regular season one in a minute. So my thing is I view it similar to football where I think the regular season crown means so much more than the tournament crown as far as who the actual best team is, because you have a larger sample size, a larger body of work, with home and road games divided, you know, mostly evenly. A pandemic season kind of interferes with that, but for the most part, it's even. And the tournament plays into the part of who's the hottest right now, which gives you momentum into the NCAA tournament, which could bode well for later. But as far as the conference is concerned, the best team to me is decided within the regular season. Yeah, and I like this because, say, things take a turn, which, I mean, I'm knocking on wood right now. Uh, They do not with the Eli Brooks injury. And 
the season doesn't end like we expected. I mean, with a number one seed going in, we're thinking final four at least, you know. So say things don't go that way. You have a couple injuries. Maybe you just get a bad break, a bad call. You still have that regular season banner. That's going to hang forever. So I will take that over the Big Ten tournament championship. I agree with you. The one good thing about the tournament is that it shows you're playing your best basketball heading into the NCAA tournament, which, as we've seen as Michigan fans, definitely has some merit. 100%. It builds the momentum into what matters the most. But it's like, if you just want to value, like, who's the best in the conference? I definitely think the regular season title lends that. But to that same point, who won the regular season title two years ago? Nobody knows, which is why no. I don't understand Illinois absolutely losing their minds on the internet. Like, they've never won anything before about this. Like, I mean, they are so up in arms about this. But, like, bro, nobody, nobody remembers. Give us our banner. I get it. Like you're Illinois and nobody wants to come to trash champagne to go to school. Like I'm sure their, their buildings are just like, I don't know, probably burned out shells of, of former glory, but that's not on us. Like we won deal with it. It's what I'm screaming, bro. Like we won this. If you want to come back at us, say, Hey, we'll smoke you in the big 10 tournament. We'll take that one. It means more to us. Say, Hey, we'll smoke you in the NCAA tournament. As far as results goes, if we don't play you, that means more than anything, but I don't understand the hang up on this with their AD release releasing or the president releasing statements or whomever. It's like, what, why are you guys so hurt about this? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Act like you've been here before. I know it's been 16 years since Deron Williams and, and that team since you were of, of anything that anyone paid any attention to. But yeah, you were acting like a bunch of upset children that didn't get the toy you wanted at Toys R Us, and it's uh, it's unbecoming. And like you said, I love your point about the way to handle this is the way I normally normal schools do handle it. It's like, all right, bet we'll come back at you in the tournament, and if not, we're gonna see you in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, like you've got all your biggest goals are ahead of you. Like we didn't try and claim the regular season title when we won the big Tur- 10 tournament a couple years ago. Why, why would we like sweet? We won the big 10 tourney. Let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. We're going on to bigger and better things. Looking ahead with optimism instead of looking like back with disgust is always a better route to go. So I don't get this. We'll see how it translates for both teams. Cause Michigan seems to be really like getting their sight set. Like, okay, awesome. We've lost a few games. We need to regroup. We need to move forward with the guys we have. And Illinois is so upset about this, and it makes no sense to me. It's like, dude, nobody cares about this. Like, just because you're getting your faces rubbed in it for a week, two weeks on Twitter, doesn't mean anything. No one's going to remember that. No. And uh, you're going to spend all this time whining and stuff. You're not going to have any energy left to prepare, and you're just going to get waxed, which uh, which is fine by me. I'm happy about that. So Cockburn gets smoked. I'm fine with this. <laughs> I I mean, I want to see Illinois again in the championship, but at the same time, like now they're going to get Don Samu back and we're going to be without Eli Brooks. I'm, I don't know. I am not in the room, but I have to imagine they'll sit him for the big 10 tournament. I think so too. I think it's the best bet to make. You need to rest this player. I think Eli Brooks is essential. And we're going to get into that, but it's like, yeah, let's see him again. It's not going to be the, same way it was the first time. I guarantee you Hunter Dickinson's not going to play that bad. I guarantee you Isaiah Livers won't play that bad. I guarantee you Franz Wagner won't play that bad. No, Franz Wagner, though, we talked about those shooting splits on the last one. I've never seen 
such atrocious lines in my life. So, I, yeah, it will not be that bad again. And, I mean, yeah, roll the balls out there and let's see. Like, I don't think Illinois is that much better than us. I think that was the worst game Michigan's ever played under yeah. Juwan Howard. Yeah, it was the worst game of the season. And we're going to get into the second Michigan State game here in a second. But that Illinois game was the worst because there was a lot more at stake, a lot more to prove. They didn't have their best player and team was flat. Like, no, we got something to prove in that one. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we get into that game, let's talk about, or actually, no, let's let's finish up the season, which was the bad, the loss to Michigan State, uh, 70 to 64, where really it was just about the, the first, uh, I would say, 20 minutes of this game that decided it, where Michigan didn't decide they want to start playing until the very end of it. And once they did, um, they, they really looked locked in and engaged like they wanted to be there, but it was a little too late. Uh, Eli Brooks goes out early on. Uh, I wasn't panicked too much about this one. Michigan State needed this to ensure that they get into the tournament. What Michigan needed to accomplish had been accomplished. And then you lost Eli Brooks and Franz Wagner was playing awful once again, which does concern me a little But Have you ever woken up the night after like a long night of celebration or just indulgence and you're not hungover, but you're still kind of drunk? Oh, yeah. I know that feeling all too well. It's a very dangerous feeling. Very dangerous, and it's not fun, and that's how this Michigan team played. They weren't hungover. They were still drunk from the Big Ten Championship, and they play, and for clinching the Big Ten Championship, and that's how they played. It was just never in it, and once Eli Brooks went out, it was rough. They seemed disinterested and just kind of ready to move on. Having this back-to-back is so weird for college basketball, and it's an outlier because of the pandemic season. So I don't look too much in it. All that I read into is the fact that Eli Brooks is not healthy right now, and that concerns me greatly. But the rest of the game, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes out like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. It Michigan had nothing to play for, absolutely zero to play for in this game, and they can just turn the page. And they were, you know, like I said, still celebrating, still a little drunk. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling all too well. <laughs> And they did turn it on once the hangover. So there's three stages to that. Wake up, still drunk, then the hangover kicks in. And then late, you know, later in the day, you're fine. And later in this game, they were fine again. And you saw Hunter Dickinson starting to get more involved. And they really fought back. But it was too late. Michigan State was hitting some big shots as well. So kudos to them. Um, probably going to ensure that they're getting into the tournament. And honestly, they've been more bearable to than the Illinois people of late. So Who would have thought that? I've never hated Michigan State basketball like I hate Michigan State football. So, I mean, they annoy me and I don't like them, but the level of hate is there's a chasm in between it there. But um, I wanted to talk to you and Phil Martelli came out and said Eli Brooks is the MVP of this team, which maybe is a bit overstated, but he doesn't just say that, you know, for for coach speak. There's some truth to that. So I want to talk to what does this team look like without him? Can they win without him? Can they win the whole thing without Eli Brooks? Can they win big? I mean, because look, I mean, only one team's walking away from this a champion, but like an Elite Eight appearance is a great season. Michigan doesn't make, I'll say for a fact, doesn't make the Final Four without Eli Brooks. And I think it's a coin flip that they make the Elite Eight without Eli Brooks. I think they should make the Sweet 16 regardless because Mm -hmm. of their forward play and their versatility up front and their ability to score and defend still. But after that, the, the second week, the second weekend of the tournament, it's a coin flip. Eli Brooks is essential to this team for his threes, his consistency, his leadership, 
and most importantly, his defense. He is an incredible on-ball perimeter defender and a sneaky 6-1. And as you said it to me best over text. You love Shawnee Brown like a cousin, but consistency is not his middle name. No, it is certainly not that. You do not want to rely on him every game because there's going to be some times where he just doesn't show up for you. And, you know, none of Eli Brooks's stats really jump off the page at you necessarily. He's more of a, a role player, but you mentioned what he does the best, and that is defend as a perimeter defender. And his six one, he plays much bigger. He plays yeah. much bigger than that. Um, but he's also hitting 41% of his field goals, which is, you know, not great really, uh, but 36% from three, but he's their best free throw shooter at 94%, which is huge, huge come tournament play because you want that, you know, at the end of games, you want guys that can absolutely ice it. And he's your best guy for that. And I also believe that tournament play more so than, uh, than regular season play really comes down to the guards. I mean, don't get it twisted. Hunter Dickinson's going to play a major role, but guard play is is how you live and die in the tournaments. I mean, the times that we've made deep runs, our guard play has been, you know, phenomenal. So it is it is huge, and I kind of like your assessment there. I think you should get through the Sweet 16, especially if you're a one seed. You know, you should have a pretty favorable draw, and you shouldn't have matchups. But, I mean, if you have to face Gonzaga or Baylor with their guard play and those guys that can absolutely light it up at both the point and shooting guard position and on switches he's sometimes covering small forwards which is bizarre at 6-1 I really thought he was taller thought he was like 6-3 yeah he plays like you said so much bigger than what he is he's very versatile as this entire defense Michigan's not deep at the guard position that's no just the fact of the matter like they're not deep at the guard position not a lot of experience there so the injury's being kept pretty under wraps i feel like he'll sit the whole big 10 tournament but he's got over a week at minimum right now to come back from this and with all the resources at michigan disposal i have to think he's back for the ncaa tournament i think so as well i think that's probably what they're gunning for but uh the you know maybe the upside here is that we're going to get to see some zeb jackson who i've been super high on he's from my hometown this is a guy that uh i think could have the highest ceiling of recent point guards to come through i think he can be explosive on offense just a true freshman and it's a big stage but the big 10 tournament I think is more important to get a couple more games in just, you know, to season guys like that and Terrence Williams, who maybe are going to need to play some roles down the stretch here. So it is still important and you do not want to get ousted early on by, you know, Minnesota or Northwestern, whoever we face. And you know, what's the score of that game right now? We're recording right now. It's tied at the half. So we, we've got big 10 tournament games going while we, while we record here. So that, that will depend on who we play, but yeah, I, I just think that, Eli Brooks unlocks your ceiling and we're going to need that to get to where we want to be, which is final four championship. Yeah. It looks like right now that Michigan, the best team they're going to play before the final is Ohio state or Purdue probably play the Michigan, Michigan state rematch and the the rubber game will be on Friday. And then the final is going to be Illinois or Iowa. And so it kind of bodes well. I mean, honestly, the big 10 bracket couldn't be scheduled any better. You get the rubber match. You could get Ohio State again, and then you go right into the Illinois game. It's just like, you want to check off three big boxes on your way there? It's like, you get the rubber match, you beat a rival again convincingly, and then you get the Illinois rematch? This team's going to be primed. I don't know if they can hit all three without Eli Brooks. Right. But I still like the way the schedule lines up where you're not getting a big hitter early on. This is why the regular season was so important. 
Yeah, no. I do want to see Wagner on Donsamu, though. Those are two NBA guys, so that would be great to see. Uh, I'd like to take a moment to talk about our newest sponsor, Homefield Apparel. We've been working with these guys for a while now and absolutely love our partnership with them because their clothing keeps me warm when it's four foot of snow in Denver, Colorado this weekend. Uh, they're out of Indianapolis, ridiculously comfortable, but I love the selection. Gone back and gotten some old school stuff because, face it, I'm old, you know, in this podcasting and sports reporting game, but that's all right. They've got me covered with an older selection. I go back, you go online, shop through your favorite team and your favorite designs. You're probably a Michigan fan, but they got you covered because they got a huge selection of schools on there. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. Apparel has two P's in it now. And you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout. Okay, so we kind of talked about the the ceiling of this team with or without Brooks. But I kind of wanted to go a little further there on Zeb Jackson before we took a break there. Do you think that there could be room for guys that absolutely, you know, like in football, we talk about gamers. Do you think there's room for that? in college basketball or do you see that less where guys you know don't really show up during the regular season you put the bright lights on them in a tournament setting and then they show out like that um you know we've had some examples at michigan of late um devin bush um trying to think who else has really been a gamer mccaffrey seemed like he was early on spike albrecht to me was a gamer spike albrecht's a good example in basketball yeah yeah so, but, but could he take that jump, a guy you don't really see much of, but then Spike Albrecht is probably the best example I think we're going to come up with. What, what concerns me is I think a player like that can really take off for a weekend, for like two games. So right. back to back, and the other team kind of settles into it and it doesn't seem like a gimmick so much. So to rely on Zeb Jackson for more than a weekend, so deep into the third weekend, that's when it would concern me. So I think for weekend, maybe in the second one, Coming through, you catch fire, you know, you play your part, you get the other guys involved. That could do things because especially in basketball, when one guy is down and this new guy steps in, a lot of other players around them step up because it can be really, I mean, just controlled by these five guys. It's not like football where there's a lot more variables like factored in. So I think Zeb Jacks could be a plus to get hot, be a gamer for a round or two, but I don't rely on it past the Sweet 16. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, and it's interesting to kind of compare all the different variables of how it can happen in one sport versus not. I mean, and one thing with football, there's more guys on the field. You know, there's only Mm -hmm. five guys on the court for a team at a time playing basketball. And, you know, it's going to be locked down, clamped down defense, you know, as soon as they roll the balls out there uh, coming. When's our first game? Friday, our first game will be? uh, Tomorrow. 1130. Uh, Isn't it? No, no, no. Uh, that's when we'll know who we're playing. Yeah, uh, Friday. Because Maryland versus Michigan State. Friday, 1130. Yep, we expect Michigan State to beat Maryland, and then we'll get the winner of that Friday at 1130, which is very inconvenient for me because I have a job, but <laughs> why they do this, but Tournament whatever. time, my friend. Yeah, you quit. Yep, you quit. You, you don't work now. Like, this yeah. time we furloughed again, okay? <laughs> Going to be a broke, lonely man. I get, get too deep into this. But, yeah, no, it was just interesting. And I, I am hopeful because Zeb Jackson's my guy, the guy that I'm riding for the most. But I agree with you in full that this isn't something where all of a sudden, oh, my God, we had this guy the whole season. We should have played him. Because in basketball, you would have seen that. 
you know, if he's scoring on your ones, he's going to get run with the ones. It's so. you're hundred percent right, man. It's, it's tough. Like we need Eli Brooks to be healthy. If the team's going to make a run at their full potential, but Zeb Jackson, I believe can step up for more than just a, I mean, just one quick round. I think it's at least two, but once you get into the nitty gritty of the elite eight and past the sweet 16, like there are some dogs out there and we're not at full strength. We've shown we can be taken down pretty easily by them. Yeah, I agree with you in full. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Big Ten tournament moving into the NCAA tournament, our expectations, previews, predictions, and then a couple football superlatives I had for you, which are always fun. We'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this pod, we're getting back into a little bit of basketball because there's really not that much happening with football right now outside of some hype videos, which I will say I have overanalyzed to uh, to the point of of noxiousness. To 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 the point of combusting. Like I've watched them over and over. And over again <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I'm at the bar with women. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching this hype video. What do you think I'm doing? Like, analyze this one. What do you see? And they're like, I, 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 you see nothing. You don't understand. What I'm like, you yeah. can never understand me and what I'm doing. Watching Mike you know, Hart coach a bunch of running backs in the off season. They could never understand why that's important. Do you see Sean Nua just in the face of Donovan Jeter just going hit? Do you, do you see that? No, no, you don't, you see nothing. Like, this means everything to me. I <laughs> should, should cool it down, champ. Maybe take the next few couple plays off over there. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I felt like all weekend, just watching football again. It feels so good to watch. It's just, I know, and I'm with you. Like, yeah. I was screaming about the Sean Nua thing, too. So the exact same thing that you were <laughs> making a scene about at a bar on a Saturday night. It was an Applebee's, but yeah. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> that's, where the, that's where you pick up the good ladies. Everyone knows that's where the good ones are at. <laughs> at least the ones who know who Sean New is. Yeah. If you know who Sean New is, look, if you meet a girl at an Applebee's that knows who Sean New is, you marry her. Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> she knows the value of a two for one and has good taste in defensive line coach. Do you know what a mudslide is? Yes. Do you know who Sean New is? Marry me. Marry me. <laughs> Yeah, man. So those those hype videos have been great. The one with Mike Hart talking uh, about you know his journey back to Michigan and that running back room is uh, is also extremely fun to watch. I'm going to hit you with some random superlatives throughout the second half of this podcast, and that's the perfect transition to our first football superlative question for you. It's a two parter, three parter, really. On this current Michigan football team, would Fitzger- where would Fitzgerald Toussaint be in the running back rotation? Second, he would be second right now in the running back. I am a, a son Haskins stand. Like at this point, I was clamoring for him last year at number one. I loved him from two years ago. He's number one to me. Like it's unless your name is Mike Hart, he's number one. Tucson is very solid. He rushed over a thousand and should not have done so. So <laughs> I agree. He's second to me. Corum, I've seen. I. I Blake Corman's a higher ceiling, so does Donovan Edwards. But from what I've seen of both and just the sample size of Fitz Toussaint and the fact that he got some run in the NFL, 
he's number two to me. Yeah, he actually stuck around longer than I would have thought in the NFL. Yeah. So I think you have to go. Yeah, um, it's kind of bold to not have him at one because he was our last thousand yard rusher. But you and I are certain Hassan Haskins, should the cards fall in the way that everyone is hoping they do as far as health and health of the offensive line, he will get a thousand yards and all the games being played, you know. Last thousand yard back behind Karan Higdon. Don't forget him. Was Fitzgerald Toussaint. That's the second yep. part of this superlative. Where's Karan Higdon on the running back rotation? I think he's first. I think he might be first. And I also think Fitzgerald Toussaint might be first, but I, I'm right there with you about Haskins. I, I'm saying Fitz would have been two. I think Higdon would be one right now, but his durability always just rubbed me the wrong way. Like he just never stay healthy for a full season, always got banged up. And what I like about Haskins at two in this situation is his durability. Because when he got ran into the ground, he was fine. He was getting up eating more because 6'1", 225, just stacked former linebacker? Yeah, he's coming in. But running back talent, fresh, healthy, Higdon's number one. I like it. Um, my one concern about Toussaint Haskins is that they're very similar backs, um, and you wouldn't have a lot of breakaway speed. So I wonder if maybe a quorum moves his way up on that list just due to them being similar backs. But anyway, this is all pointless, nonsensical pulp that I like throwing at you from time to time. I respect that. Dude. Fitz Toussaint was only 5'10". Yeah, I, I was a big Fitz Toussaint guy. His jawline, are you out of your mind? Like Have you seen hammer. that man take a picture from the side? I mean, <laughs> it's chiseled out of granite. He looks like Army Hammer without the cannibalism. I know, without eating people. Right. Because <laughs> he'd be good at it with that jaw. You're not kidding. The thing about Fitz Toussaint is he's just now getting into his prime as a running back. Like, he came into Michigan as one, went to linebacker, came back as a running back at fourth string as fourth string you're talking about maybe, Haskins you said Toussaint yeah, I'm yeah sorry. everyone knows. everyone knows. as maybe fifth string behind that the submarine Ben Van Summer who's no longer with the program worked his way up to second took over number one so I I can't wait for a full season as him as number one yeah. I'm just jacked I'm with you yeah yeah it's been a Jackson long time. let's go <laughs> I'm with you yeah let's get to an Applebee's quick that <laughs> I need that two for one um, do you know Sean Nua <laughs> all right next question change in directions again is the number one seat a lock for Michigan I believe so because I believe they're going to beat Michigan State Maryland whoever they play in the first round and the next team ranked behind them currently in the AP poll is Iowa, who Michigan ran off the court, I believe has three less losses than. So I think it's kind of locked. But I really don't want to chance that with a you know a quarterfinals exit in the Big Ten tournament. No, you really don't. I mean, you don't want to get knocked out immediately. People will understand a lot of um, the losses that we've had up to this point. But unfortunately, the most unacceptable loss was the Illinois loss. So that's not necessarily a good look because that's the best team we played and we looked atrocious against them. So Ohio State kind of has not helped us out since our win over them and they've really fallen off a cliff. Um, there's still some impressive wins over there and making it through the Big Ten schedule with only three losses is extremely impressive nonetheless. Um, but I don't want to say that it's quite a lock yet. Um, but it's it's extremely close to a lock. Like I'm saying it's something 90% or above. Just so long as you're not getting bounced game one in the Big Ten tournament, I think we should be fine. 
and and looking atrocious doing it without Eli Brooks. I just don't think there's any way, even without Eli Brooks, this Michigan team loses the rubber match to Michigan State. No, I don't see that happening. I think they're going to be engaged for that one. And I mean, now you've got two games of tape that's very recent that you can go back and look on and say, hey, look how they beat us. And, you know, there was uh, bench guys, their bench really outperformed ours in that last game where they were able to, to take that win. And you can't necessarily always count on that. Our bench played poorly. Uh, Franz Wagner played, you know, 20 minutes of bad basketball before he decided he wanted to remember he knew how to play the game. <laughs> So I think that I think that they will come out locked in and engaged. And this is something that, you know, we've put out a couple of times, but I want to keep hammering it home. We have yet to see the Mike Smith breakout game on offense, and that's coming at some point. And they're probably going to need it sooner rather than later. Yeah, Mike Smith is due a 20, 25 point game, especially this guy averaged. What was it? 26 last year at Columbia at Columbia. Like, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was the best player on the floor every night there. Yeah. And necessarily in the Big Ten tournament. But nonetheless, you know, he can do that. That's I think there's going to be a Mike Smith pour it up game, especially if Eli Brooks is out. Honestly, watch for that against Michigan State. If that's the first round matchup, if they get past Maryland, because Brooks won't be there to take the shots. And it's like Mike Smith might have to step it up a little bit with Shonday Brown's inconsistency and energy, mostly on the defensive end. It might be up Mike Smith to add, you know, five, ten more points a game. And there will also be a Sean Day Brown breakout game because he's going to keep shooting. I mean, he that's why you and I appreciate him is like, it doesn't matter how many times he hits rim or clacks it off the back glass. He keeps shooting much like us. You shoot me down at an Applebee's, a Chili's, a Bennigan's. It doesn't matter. I'm coming back to that Bennigan's <laughs> next weekend. I'm going to find somebody that knows who Sean New is. I, that's just yeah. how it's going to be. And marry them at a Bennigan's. <laughs> Uh, oh, Charlie's Outback. I will find you. <laughs> that sounds more predatory now. I, 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 more to prove a point that I can just do it and then it's going to happen. I'm going to be like, oh, damn, I'm here now. <laughs> yeah. Now you're prowling all the Oh, Charlie's of the South. So be warned. <laughs> There's not a pecan pie in the South that is safe. It's like, oh, you're 39. I have three kids. Ah, ah, ah. But you know who Sean New is. And somehow that's Sean Day Brown. I think we've we've got our analogy's gotten away from us, but <laughs> there will be a game where Sean Day Brown goes off because the dude just keeps jacking him up. It doesn't matter if he has an 0 for 7 game. And yeah, he's gonna keep shooting and he's inconsistent, but the dude can light it up. So I think that there's more to be seen out of the guard play. Um, that, you know, hasn't been quite unlocked yet with the, uh, you know, with both Mike Smith and Shonday Brown and hopefully Zeb Jackson, like we were saying earlier. Yeah, dude, Shonday Brown, great energy, great beard. That has to count for something. Great beard. So, I mean, tremendous beard. <laughs> tremendous beard. Big game's coming, but he's, no matter what, he's going to bring the intensity on the defensive end. He's going to provide some leadership, some chemistry within the bench and keep players like Zeb Jackson engaged when they need to be. The biggest thing is, I want to see this Michigan team when the chips are down, and that's what's coming because we've seen them pick it up, come down recently in the last two weeks. Where we're like, uh, can't can't can we win it? But so I want to see them when the chips are down, a hundred percent, do or die. And players like Sean Day Brown are going to be critical to that, especially the continuity throughout the sustained tournament. You're absolutely right. And he can afford a game or two where his shot isn't falling. But if there's ever a time to lock into some type of rhythm, 
Um, and I love guys that are flamethrowers like that. It's a ton of fun for the game. But when it comes tournament time, you'd rather have a guy that shoots 45% than a guy that might shoot 61 game and 12 another. Yeah. You know, I think you'd rather have 45 or 40% yep. every game and know what you can expect out of them. But at the same time, like shooter shoot man and and i love it and i respect that about him and mike smith uh is more of a shooter than he's shown so i'd like to see him uh start jacking up maybe some more threes especially with eli brooks out so uh what are your what are your expectations and what are your predictions for michigan's run in the big 10 tournament who's going to be the winner who's your big 10 tourney mvp honestly i without eli brooks i'm i'm presuming eli brooks is not playing the big 10 tournament I'm kind of with you. I I don't think Mi- Michigan cannot win the Big Ten tournament without Eli Brooks. That's that's where I stand, and where I see them coming out all depends on certain situations, like who wins what, who wins this. I think Michigan wins a quarterfinal matchup, advances to the semifinals, and I think on their best they lose, unfortunately, in the conference championship to Illinois. And I think on the bad side, they lose to Ohio State in the semifinals. Yeah, uh, it's tough because I do believe Michigan can beat Illinois without Eli Brooks. I disagree with you there. Um, The way I look at it is Don Samu and Wagner are going to cancel one another out. Those are both NBA players that can lock up defensively and can put the ball on the deck and create for their offense. I'm going to just go ahead and call that a wash. They're both like, if if you look at NBA mock draft predictions, they're projected to go like 14th and 15th. Like some have Don Samu higher, some have Wagner higher. Although the the all Big Ten selections, which we neglected to talk about, seem to favor Don Samu over Wagner. Um, But, you know, NBA draft circles think about it a little differently. So I, I call that a wash. I think Cockburn does unfortunately shut down Dickinson more so than we're used to. So I think that's a win for them. But then you just need you need Livers and, and Smith to have big games. So it is possible. But that's that's a tough ask because you're almost eliminating two guys out of your rotation with how much of a struggle it's going to be for Dickinson and Wagner to score. But I do think it can be done. But I kind of agree with you. I think a loss. To, uh, I'm not I don't want to predict that. Yeah, because that is that would be brutal because for some reason these guys have just declared were their nemesis. It's it's very strange because it's a one-sided rivalry. They're just automatically coming back into this, shaking their fist. We're Michi- we're rivals. We're fighting for the, the, we're not fighting for anything. You Illinois hasn't been relevant since 2005. Like Right? Nope, nope. I mean, it's it's been a long time since Lincoln was president and Illinois was relevant, but that's about the last time. It's like nobody cares. Like uh, uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Cool. Yeah, like it was it went Emancipation Proclamation, Ditka, (laughs) the super fans on SNL, and then nothing. Nothing. Yes, no. You guys lost the national championship to North Carolina, and that's it. Michigan's played in two national title games since then, and has been a Big Ten elite since then. And it's like, guys have done nothing, and now all of a sudden you you just hate us because we won the I, it makes no sense to me. So honestly, to your point of, you know, maybe they don't just lose because there's all that extra animosity. It's like Hunter Dickinson, he got sunned a little bit by Cockburn because he, he bodied yeah. up Garza. So I think that could give him some added motivation. I think so too. So I am going to take Michigan to win in a tight, tight game 
over Illinois um, because I, I'm, I just don't want to predict that. Um, but I think it's, it's going to be a tough ride without Eli Brooks and an earlier exit to Ohio State. I mean, we saw that game. That was a great game. That was one of the more enjoyable games of the season. And they got two guys that can light it up. So if, they're, if those guys are hitting at that sort of level, it's going to be very difficult for Michigan to find the offense. Not that Brooks is their biggest offensive guy, but he's another guy. He averages nine points a game. And in college, that's that's not insignificant. And he's creative around the rim. He's pretty crafty. Very crafty. Veteran leadership to calm people down, keep him engaged. And he can knock down threes. Like he said, he's. I mean, his shooting numbers aren't going to blow you away, but he's very timely shots, very clutch shots. And can lead the way for players a little more inexperienced because behind Mike Smith, as we talked about, it's like I, I definitely trust Eli Brooks more than Zeb Jackson to hit a big three with under five minutes to go. For sure, yeah. And his three-point uh, percentage, while not super impressive, has been enough to keep teams honest. And he's hit some bigger shots. Um, it in the last game we saw him, he early on was our only offense. Everybody was off early in that game when they were going to Brooks. So when everybody else is off, he's another guy to go to. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be so much tougher without him. But I mean, Illinois beat us without Don Samu and now they've got him. And if we can come back and beat them without Brooks, I think that just kind of shuts everybody up. So I'm going to predict that that's what happens. I, For once, you're more optimistic than me. And I love it. I'm. It's not football we're talking about, brother. I haven't had my heart ripped out and stomped on by, you know, an army of 10,000 men. That's fair. So I, I'm with that. I really hope it happens. But still, I'm predicting a, a second place finish in the tournament. And maybe that's the added fire they need going to the NCAA tournament. All right. NCAA tournament predictions. Do we get a one seed? Yes. Especially if they make it to the conference final. Lock. Lock it's a one seed. I would have lost in the semifinals playing Illinois, and no, there's no way you just throw away the body of work. I think Michigan's kind of a, a darling of some voters. They're the fourth-ranked team in the country right now, even if they're an up-and-down week. I We're making it to the conference championship. We're a lock. If Eli Brooks is back and we get bounced in the Sweet 16, how is this season viewed? Painful. It It hurts. It really hurts, but again... We, you and I talked about this at the beginning of the season, that this team was predicted sixth in the Big Ten. Sweet 16 be viewed as an accomplishment. So that can't be neglected because this team has been above and beyond. But honestly, if they're bounced in the Sweet 16, I think it's underwhelming. If they're bounced in the Elite Eight, I think the season's a success. I agree. Elite eight's kind of where I put it. I mean, that's a nice long run. We get to watch a lot of basketball and this team let's remember was ahead of schedule. Yep. I don't think anyone really was predicting that at the beginning of the year. We're like, Oh, you know, maybe third or fourth best team in the big 10 and a decent sweet 16 run. So the fact that we're at where we're at is kind of raised expectations and stuff, but let's remember this was not supposed to be his best team. That's probably two years down the road or so. Yeah. This uh, it's a, predicted six in the big 10 before the season started and you and i were still bullish like we make the sweet 16 this has been a very good year we're an ncaa tournament team at the least because we believed in the program we believed in isaiah livers franz wagner all those players coming back we didn't know hunter dickinson was going to be a baller but that was definitely an added benefit but with the big uh, the number one recruiting class coming in in the country next season and some players coming over transfers again coming in like Shawnee Brown, Mike Smith, more players like that coming into the program. Yeah, 
two years away, this team is going to be very, very elite. Uh, so let's talk about that because I wanted to talk about the future outlook and Wagner's gone. I think we can just go ahead and say that he's projected around the teens right now in the draft. Livers is gone. Brown is gone. Smith is gone. Brooks is gone. So I look at that and I'm like, oh boy, next year could be a big step down. Do you think we need to take a transfer, particularly at guard next year? And we can, we can rattle off the roster for next year. For those of you that don't know, um, it's at the guard positions, Zeb Jackson, uh, the incoming freshman, highly rated Kobe Bufkin at shooting guard, uh, Frankie Collins, freshman backing up at point guard and Brandon Wade, who is a senior who hasn't played much. And Adrian Nunez are your backups as well at guard position. So that is not a ton of depth there at your forward positions. Terrence Williams will be back as a sophomore. I'm very high on him. Um, and then it's all, once again, you're you're relying on that great freshman class. So this is going to be a much different, much younger team. And you're going to be expecting big, big minutes from Caleb Houston, the highly recruited freshman, and Musa Diabate, I don't know how to say it yet. <laughs> and Brandon Johns is going to be expected to be a senior leader. So I look at next year's team, and I look at this year's team, and the reason this year's team is what it is is because of the transfers. So I'm wondering if transfers don't end up being a big part of this program again. I think a transfer guard more than anything would be a big thing. But in basketball, as we know much more than football, freshmen don't mean as much. I mean, in basketball, freshmen can take over and lead your team to a championship. In football, it's very, very rare that happens. So in basketball, it doesn't worry me as much to rely on players that young to take over and carry a program. But I do think some leadership like that would be nice, especially like a Shonday Brown piece is coming in, giving you reliable minutes off the bench. And Juwan Howard's proven he's willing to look that direction. So especially at the guard position, I would be looking at that in the offseason to be a nice addition to the program to kind of give some guidance and leadership to these young players coming in. Give me a senior transfer guard that can either start or compete with Zeb Jackson to push him forward and give me a senior backup center to back up Dickinson. And I think that once again, you'll have a deep, deep team. But I look at that roster as it will be constructed and it's going to be just not the, the kind of senior presence that this one has where Livers and Wagner and Smith and Brown are taking you are guiding you into this thing. So that makes me feel a lot more confident. Is next year's team predicted higher than six in the Big Ten? Oh, yeah. I mean, people, they finally catch on. The fact that Michigan, like, wasn't ranked this year, I thought was just people not paying attention. I thought that was stupid. I don't know what you were basing that on. I mean, granted, we cover Michigan, and it's by far the team I watch the most. But the fact it took people a couple weeks to even get onto it, and I'm like, guys, I don't know what you're not seeing. Like, we've been recruiting well. Livers and Wagner are still on the team. Like, like Dickinson's already getting double doubles. Like, what are y'all not seeing? Like, I get the Mandalorian's on, but what, 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 what are we doing here? It's like, what? That's what we're blaming on. The Mandalorian is the reason they were ranked so low. Well, you, we're going to have guys not watching the game. The college basketball has started. Like, pay attention. Guys, get it. I mean, turn off the Mandalorian. You can watch it whenever. It's streaming. It's streaming. Anytime. Any, like, WandaVision's great, but pay attention to this. So, <laughs> Hunter Dickinson's on. Hunter Dickinson is on. So the Big Ten freshman of the year. So yeah, if he comes back next season, that's a big deal because that's a walking bucket next season coming in. 
I think he will come back. One last thing before we get out of here. Uh, No Franz Wagner, no Eli Brooks on the All Big Ten defensive team is right up there with the biggest snubs that I can recall recently. That's that's criminal. That's the social network not winning best picture. That's Goodfellas not winning best picture. That is a slap in the face. Franz Wagner especially, who might be the most versatile defender in the conference. I mean, he's up there with best defenders in the country. I mean, that I've seen, it's him. Like the the Mobley kid from USC is incredible. Um, I mean, the list isn't super long. Don Samu's great from Illinois. He's a really solid defender. But him and Brooks, like Hunter Dickinson tweeted, there are not five defenders better than them. There's just not. And yeah, criminal. We're talking uh, Shakespeare in Love winning best picture over Saving Private Ryan level of of ridiculousness. It just, it absolutely makes no sense. You and I have just been screaming. This is Mac Miller winning best rap album over Kendrick Lamar. This is just all time snubs here. Like just pure absurdity. Like when this was announced, this is, I just laughed. This is, the, this is the crowd choosing Pontius Pilate over Jesus. This is, <laughs> we're talking all time, all time bad choices here, guys. Bad like all right, the son of god or <laughs> I, I haven't read the bible in a long time so my, my it's been i think he just made the decision but still i mean we're blaspheming so hey he chose him so i was like that's what you guys did franz wagner should have been all big 10 defensive team that's facts yeah facts he doesn't care they're about to go in a deep tournament run all right brother any thoughts from you before we call it can't wait to talk to you next week when we're one seed I'm looking forward to it, my friend. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, download us off a of megaphone, wherever. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.